This is a Reconstructionist Radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu. That's C-H-A-L-C-E-D-O-N dot E-D-U to download this book in PDF format or to purchase this book. The Cure of Souls, Recovering the Biblical Doctrine of Confession by Rusus John Rushduni. Copyright 2007, Mark R. Rushduni. Published by Calcedon Ross House Books. P.O. Box 158, Vallecito, California, 95251. All rights reserved. The Cure of Souls, Recovering the Biblical Doctrine of Confession by R.J. Rushduni. Chapter 30, Confession and Grace. True confession is a mark of grace. As grace works in the heart of a man, that man becomes aware of the extent of his war against God and the nature of his sin. Our salvation is to be found in none other than Jesus Christ, God incarnate, who saves us from all our sins. Our freedom in Christ is our freedom from sin into righteousness or justice in Christ. As Clarence Stamm has written, quote, For sin is the great obstacle between God and us. Sin causes separation. Sin is also the destructive force among people and in society at large. There needs to be a a restoration of peace with God, and so a restoration of harmony on earth. The depth of this confession concerning the name of the Saviour lies in the fact that he will save us from our sins. End quote. Confession is a precondition of growth. If my writing is marked by bad grammar, it will not improve unless I study the laws of grammar. By learning what is right, I can then avoid what is wrong. Hence the necessity of the law of God. Those who read and study the whole of God's law word, from Genesis through Revelation, learn thereby what sin is, what justice is, and the meaning of grace. They learn what they must confess, because God's word uncovers to them their sins, their secret waywardness, their habit of reserving to themselves areas of private freedom from God, a foolish hope, and so on. They are compelled by God's law word and faithful confession to recognize that they cannot bargain with God. Reality is not man's creation, but God's. We cannot alter the status of things by our sinful desire that will be that our will be done. As Stam wrote, quote, There is always the danger in our lives that we are prepared to break with only some of our sins, but not all of them. There is the danger that we nurture some sins which have become a long-standing habit. We feel that we cannot get rid of them anyway. Do you have any of those tenacious sins? You will have to confess them and break with them. You do that as the consequence of our confession and the demand for a true celebration of the Lord's Supper. For whoever names the name of the Lord must depart from iniquity, no matter what iniquity it is. So the Lord calls us today to examine our life and not to despair, but to repent and to find our refuge, our strength, our joy in our one and only Saviour. End quote. The Gospel The good news is the forgiveness of sins through Christ's atoning sacrifice. But if the law is bypassed, 
If God's law is not stressed, then sin is depreciated and what is offered is not biblical salvation but a cheap grace, which is no grace at all. Romans 6.18 declares, Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. We are freed in order to serve God's righteousness or justice as plainly set forth in his law. Cheap or false grace supposedly assures us of heaven and of God's protecting help in this world. In practice, it frees us from God and his law word. James Patterson and Peter Kim, in their survey titled The Day America Told the Truth, 1991, were not writing a port on America's religious life primarily, but their study all the same showed the consequences of cheap or false grace. Only 13% of all Americans believe in all of the Ten Commandments. Adultery among church members is commonplace. Although 82% of all Americans believe in heaven and hell, only 4% see their future as in hell. Phariseeism now marks the church. One supposedly Bible-believing pastor submitted an article to Chalcedon which held that once a person accepted Christ, God was then irrevocably and perpetually in debt to him or her. This is also the theology of Bob Themey. Citing Stam once again, quote, We must always connect death with sin. End quote. Without confession and the grace of forgiveness, there is no salvation. Too many churches do not preach Christ as Lord and Saviour, but as the world's greatest fire and life insurance agent. One missionary, very fundamental in self-estimation, spoke of faith as the world's best, freest and biggest bargain, everything for nothing. This is why confession is a forgotten aspect of the faith today. Where there is no grace, there is no confession. The results in the life of the church and in the life of its peoples are far-reaching. Hymns of confession, once so common, are not often sung now. One such great hymn is by Johann Hiermann, 1630. Quote, Ah, holy Jesus! How hast thou offended that man to judge thee hath in hate pretended by foes derided, by thine own rejected, almost afflicted? Who was the guilty? Who brought this upon thee? Alas, my treason, Jesus hath undone thee. Twas I, Lord Jesus, I it was denied thee. I crucified thee. Lo, the good shepherd for the sheep is offered. The slave hath sinned and the son hath suffered. For man's atonement, while he nothing heedeth, God intercedeth. For me, kind Jesus, was thine incarnation, thy mortal sorrow and thy life's oblation, the death of anguish and thy bitter passion for my salvation. Therefore, kind Jesus, since I cannot pay thee, I do adore thee and will ever pray thee, Think on thy pity and thy love unswerving, not my deserving. Amen. End quote. Many years ago, in trying to explain something in scripture to a woman, I recited a portion of this hymn. Her only reaction was, Ah, holy Jesus sounds too Catholic. I was speechless, 
but later thought that it would perhaps have suited her more if a hymn began, Ah, holy me! Hearman's hymn is a song about grace because it is a song of confession. The church is today impotent because it has a false gospel of cheap grace, because it has downgraded confession and because it therefore worships an idol created by its evil imagination. Success in a humanistic sense comes easily to those who proclaim this false gospel. The 1980s saw some of the scandals related to antinomian cheap grace evangelists. All the same, others prosper because the scriptures are in practice denied. How can men be the servants of righteousness or justice, a power in the world for Christ and his kingdom, if they are not truly free from sin? From Romans 6.18 At best, the confessions accompanying the cheap grace churches are cheap confessions, worthless too often in their effects. I have known men who claimed to have been saved many times after many major sins. It was for them a convenient public ritual to indulge their sin and then go forward and make a confession at a revival meeting or some like occasion. Just as the Catholic confession has over the years been abused by many, who take both sin and confession casually, so too all too many Protestants have reduced the meaning of sin and confession to trifling matters and words. Hearman, in his hymn, called sin treason, and rightly so. The old Negro spiritual, were you there when, were you there when they crucified my Lord, may well be an echo of Hearman's poem. Sin, said Hearman, is treason. Adam's rebellion against God, and the sin of all men since, is rebellion, a revolution against the sovereign God, his government and law. We cannot grasp the meaning of grace until we see our every sin, however great or small, as treason against the triune God. Knowing this, we can then understand the magnitude of his grace and the necessity for our confession. We poor and miserable rebels, proud and angry sinners all, believe that because our sins are trifles in our arrogant minds, they are also trifles to God and to man. We choose to forget our sins, and we assume that because we have put them out of our minds, God has done the same also. We expect to set the character of our relationship to the triune God as though we were in the driver's seat, the place of power. The influence of the false, cheap grace advocates has infiltrated us all, so that, while against them, we are with them. Hence the need for confession. We need to purge ourselves of all our darling sins and lusts. We need to see ourselves naked and open to the eyes of God. Because salvation begins with the forgiveness of sins, it is the continuing confession of sins that strengthens and empowers us in the grace of God. This is the end of chapter 30. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows 
or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.